0: Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make out? Because no. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG 13. Well, folks, the draft lottery results are in. Let's just take a moment of silence for Owen Powers and an NHL career core guy. Thank you.
2: What's going on, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to another episode of the Tracking the Storm podcast. My name is Brandon uh, with me tonight. We have the full cast again with Matt and Alex right here alongside. Um, lots to talk about this week is actually quite a. Few different things going on, and we didn't get to get up with you right after the Nashville series ended. The last time we spoke, uh, we were still kind of wondering how things were going to shake out there. Headed back to Nashville in the series, uh, the Canes did have—I think we recorded after Game Five, but uh, so we'll get into that in a little bit and talk about how things wrapped up in the Nashville series and give a somewhat slumber, yeah, somewhat slum, some. Fucking <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> somewhat somber. There it is. <clears throat> and give a somewhat somber update on this Tampa Bay series as things currently stand. But first, the NHL draft lottery results for tonight. As Matt reluted, Oh my god, reluted! What the hell? <laughs> you told us to get it together here. I Come know, on, man. Dude, this is what what's going on. I get for talking <laughs> shit. Yeah. Alright. As Matt alluded to, the Buffalo Sabres have won the NHL's draft lottery. The Seattle Kraken will pick second. Um, So I figure that's probably a logical place to start. RIP to Owen Power's career?
1: Uh,
0: You know what? Like, as much crap as we're giving the Sabres, um, I think Owen Power might actually benefit from playing with the Sabres, at least for a little while, because they don't really have a guy of his skill set on the team.
2: I'd love to watch a pairing of him and Darlene. That'd be a lot of fun. Right. He, like, They're both lefties, what, but still.
0: What I think you're hoping for is that he's like the slave-in to Darlene's Hamilton type
2: yeah.
0: deal, you know, if that makes any sense. Um, But, I mean, still, it's Buffalo, right? Um, And there's there's been a lot of jokes. I think my favorite is uh, Mark Lazarus um, saying <laughs> – over under on Owen Powers requesting a trade is three, uh, three, years. Years. Yeah, I
2: saw <laughs> three years. Yeah.
0: Like all this stuff, man, it, it, it's just killing me. um And honestly, Seattle, good for them for winning the uh, second overall pick. I fully expect them to uh, pick a puck moving left handed defenseman uh, with that pick because that's all um, Ron Francis ever seemed <laughs> to know how to pick.
2: Well, he's got Hughes, and he's got power. So, and, and he's Evan, got, i mean, Brant Clark is a
0: right—he's uh, a righty, I believe. But I mean, yeah. it still kind of fits the mold. Um, but it'll be interesting. I don't
2: know about number two, but this is
0: a weird draft where, um, really, after um, power, more than likely, gets picked at one. Anything can kind of happen because there's a few guys in the, I'd say, two to seven range that could all go to seven. Then it's not like you know 2018 where some reporter uh, said that three through seven are all really good and <laughs> you can still trade down and get a good player. I don't know how
2: he became uh, Clark <laughs>
0: became uh, Bobby Orr in the nine one nine area code, but you know.
2: Well, I do want to ask. I, I mean, how sure of a thing is power? Because I, 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 I won overall. I mean,
1: but well, here's here's
2: the thing. You got Here's Matty Beneers, you know, even Hughes, you can probably throw in there. There's a lot of options, at least, and this is a very weird draft in that we don't know who the hell is going to go, first of all, do we? First, Well, group. I mean, you, you take a look at Buffalo,
1: and they, they've got needs all over the place. I mean, mm-hmm. while, while Power does look like a really good fit, well, like, I mean, with their track record there, they're going to end up playing him with Rasmus Ristelainen, and it's just going to go downhill <laughs> right away. I feel bad for the kid, but it's a good situation for him. I mean, he's going to be one of the top options on a rebuilding team. Mind you, they're going to be rebuilding probably forever. So who, who knows what really happens with him? Um, I saw another funny thing on Twitter too. Uh, I think it was Frank Saravalli, no longer with TSN, but um, he basically said, does this count as another draft lottery win for Taylor Hall? <laughs> I, I mean, I'm okay with it, you know, the Taylor Hall effect kind of led them into this, so it gets a pass for me, but man, uh, geez, good for them at least, Uh, gotta be happy for the fans in in Buffalo, I mean, they don't have a ton to be excited about, but another number one overall pick to add to their crop of uh, young defensemen there, and hopefully this gets things back on track for them.
2: I did see one Sabres fan I followed that was like, I don't even want the first overall pick because I don't want us to ruin Owen power. I was like, geez, Buffalo I fans mean, are really like downended at this point, man.
0: Yeah. They're, uh, they're feeling
2: it right now. It's,
0: it's bad. Hey, can um, you blame them? No, yeah, I can't. Can. I mean, there's, well, we kind of know what it's like, miserable.
2: right? Like we've kind of been there. I mean, it's maybe not quite as bad as their incompetence, but you know, we know what it's like to be this level of, Irrelevant for a pretty long period of time,
0: yeah. And we're like, they're so bad that they're relevant, you know, if that makes <laughs> yeah. any sense. Um, and yeah, we
2: were never like, quite like that, which is almost worse. Like, we were just like picking ninth, so we never were bad enough to get an elite pick, but never right. good enough to make the playoffs. And we were stuck. I've, I've made this comparison a lot, it's like we were in purgatory and we just couldn't seem to get out of it.
0: You're the Arizona Coyotes,
2: yeah, yeah, that's a very good, yep, that's that's about right. But
0: so, I mean. With power, you, you were saying, you know, is he the number one? I mean, he's the consensus at this point. And I mean, this year is kind of one of those years where it's almost like 2017 where there's really no hype behind um, the first overall pick because the, the top end of this draft isn't really great, you know? Because, I mean, when you're talking about a guy who very likely won't won't be your best defenseman on your roster, I mean, you know kind of sucks right well it's like, been
1: a crazy year in terms of how many guys have been ranked number one or even in the top three at various points of this draft like if you've been following along long enough I remember when Atu Ratti was ranked you know as probably oh, yeah. as, he was one of the top prospects in this draft and now I don't even think he's going to go in the first round there's just been so much parody surrounding this class and a lot of that has to do as well with you know all the stoppages and stuff especially the OHL not even playing games this year and covid really limiting the season a lot of guys think get out the tape that they wanted to or hope to so uh, some of these nhl teams aren't going to have a lot to go on in terms of you know exactly what they want to draft with their first round pick because it's just been a whirlwind of the season
0: yeah i mean we could definitely see some craziness like we saw in last year's draft i don't think um to the same extent where you know sportsnet has to take a uh, commercial break because no one's heard of Yegor Chinikov. <laughs> Um, but I I do think like in all seriousness that this year, I mean, like I said, after two, it couldn't be anybody's anybody could be picked. Um, but going back to power for a second, like, is he the most underwhelming first overall pick in recent years? That's not a knock on him. It's not a knock on him. Like at all. It's just like, you really don't often see like a big physical Two-way, I guess you could consider him defenseman going first overall, you know? Yeah,
1: just the entire top ten, um even the whole first round of this draft class is really weird, right? Like there's a lot of parody, there's not a whole lot of separation in terms of talent. Um, as opposed to like there would usually be like usually there's a, a big drop off uh after a certain point, but it kind of doesn't feel like like that this year and I think it is pretty on par with 2017. Mind you, in hindsight, Kill McCarr, he should have been the first overall pick that year and it it shouldn't have been close. Um, You know, Philadelphia is probably kicking themselves for Nolan Patrick. And while Nico Heischer is a good player for the Devils and does have a nice future, uh, in hindsight, there's no question about that Kill McCarr should have been ahead of him and probably Miro Heiskanen as well. So um, I, I would probably agree with that where you just don't really hear a whole lot about this draft class in the media. And there's a reason for that, right? It's just because there isn't a superstar level talent in this draft. And you almost hear more about the 2022 draft and the top prospects from there. And even 2023, than you hear about this class coming up this year. And it's it's not really something I've experienced before.
2: Yeah, I mean...
0: It's so weird. (laughs) It really is. That's the
2: best way to describe it. It just doesn't make sense. I don't think there's really like a superstar or at least not an obvious one at the top of this draft. Matt Beniers has become my probably favorite player in this class just because he's like, he works his ass off. He'd really be a perfect hurricane because he can play in all situations. Like he's got some offensive skill and he scored pretty well in college this year for a 17, 18 year old. But, um, if I was picking first overall, he just kind of has that fit as like an all situations versatile, like maybe like a Jordan stall type almost that you can win a lot of hockey games with. I would say the best way to describe how
1: kind of weak this class is, is that Jesper Waldstedt, um, he is a borderline top five prospect in this draft. He's a goaltender and he's probably not as good of a prospect as Jaroslav Askarov was last year. And he went 12th overall. So just the gap in in skill at the top of the draft, it's it's a sizable drop off from last year. Yeah,
0: I mean Wallstead's not bad. I mean he's a, I watched he's him play on. with Lilia this year. No, no, um, he's
1: it's nothing against him, but if he's in the same draft class as Askarov last year,
0: oh, he unquestionably. I'm taking Askarov second.
2: before him, exactly. Right. Well, the top like, fifteen of well, last year's draft was also pretty damn good too. Yeah, so it like, was very strong.
0: I'm thinking Walsta, even in this year's... Like, if it was in last year's draft, he probably would have gotten top 20.
2: Yeah. Like,
0: I mean, Brandon. Shut the hell up, people. People need to stop texting you. Seriously. I mean, you know, he's a goalie that will likely become a starter. And, I mean, he kind of has the curse of being a goalie drafted in the first round put on him already. Yeah. But I mean, hey, you know, I really like... And I think that whichever team Detroit picks him is going to be happy with it.
1: That'd be a great fit for him.
0: I I mean, it's all but confirmed. I mean, it's going to suck because I know a lot of Detroit fans would rather see their team, you know, do what other teams do and, you know, draft later draft goalies in the later round. Because you don't part of me is like, I don't want to stake my future. On a goaltender in the first round, I'd much rather get like a forward or a defenseman, you know? But yeah, th- that's just me.
1: Well, a little update on the uh, Hurricanes' situation in this draft. I decided to try and do a little math, which, you know, it's never really a good idea for me. But what I came up with, and don't like hold me to this because like I, I tried my best, but the likelihood is When it comes to math, I'm going to be wrong, but I did my own little research and I'm about 99% confident that the highest the Hurricanes can pick is 27th overall. And that's if they lose to Tampa, obviously, if they beat Tampa, they'll be in the top four. So they'd be picking between 29 and 32. But if they lose to Tampa, I am about 99.9% sure that they'll be picking 27th overall um, because the loser of Colorado and Vegas would pick 28 behind them, and then obviously the rest beyond that.
0: So one thing that I'm a little offended that you guys uh, didn't mention when I was, uh, you know, not here last week was the signing of Tuka Um, And obviously he's going back to Finland. Um, Finnish news confirmed. It's still cool. I mean, we're locking up a a prospect that I think could be a big part of the future. And I don't know about, well, I do know about you guys. We've kind of talked about it. Uh, He's just a great player and one of those guys that can take over a shift um, in any given moment.
1: Well, I'm hoping that he finally does get, um, you know, a a training camp where he's firmly entrenched in the top six uh, at his program there, where it's not a, another situation or repeat of this year where he starts in, you know, the U-20 league where he's just obviously way too good uh, to be playing. Mind you, very deep program at uh, Carpat and it's a good spot for him to be. Like the, the development staff there and the coaching staff there, they're very good at producing NHL talent and a lot of good players have come out of that program. Uh, Sebastian Aho being one, obviously, and he had a great year there. Really came on as his role increased and progressed, so hopefully you know, there won't be a lot of turnover there at all. And he'll have the confidence of his coaching staff and and kind of earn their trust going into next year where he can play a big role, take some big strides offensively. And hopefully with his overall game, does need to add a little size. I think the Hurricanes listed him at 146 pounds, if I'm not mistaken. So, you know, he's got, he's got some work to do, but oh yeah, he, he looks to be like a really good one for the future.
2: I mean, you guys know how I feel about TXLA. Um, I'm super excited for it, too. Uh, We'll see how things unfold over the next couple of years. (laughs) I don't really have much more to add other than that. But I was excited to see him sign because, again, like I said, he was one of my top five prospects. He's one of my favorite players in the entire organization to watch.
0: So I think we've spent enough time talking about, you know, the pipeline and how – Buffalo's gonna do mowen power um we we're coming off of a series win, and then uh you know we're we're two games down to Tampa right now in the second round of the playoffs, but before we start talking about the Tampa series, what are you guys' thoughts on game six in Nashville? Uh, how do you guys think the Canes responded after a big win in game five?
2: Well hell, man, it was so long ago at this point. no I'm kidding um no, <laughs> oh, it was pretty awesome because kind of another example of their resiliency that's going to be put to the test again, big time. Cause obviously they were down three to one, you know, midway through that game. Um, Dougie Hamilton finally shows up. He gets the, uh, you know, the little shot pass to Aho at the side of the net that makes it three to two. And then he runs the set uh, face off play where Slavin threads the needle with a perfect backdoor pass to tie it up late in the third. Um And and I think Dougie's play since then, which we can kind of get, you know, not to really jump into the Tampa series yet, because I know we're talking about that next, but I I think his defensively especially, and yes, I'm sure part of this is attributable to Slavin being back, but he's looked a lot better. He hasn't been nearly as much of a liability as he was at times in that Nashville series. I I think he's even shown a little physicality, which has been good. Um, So, yeah, it was definitely good to see Dougie kind of get going a little bit. be really good if he could start to generate some offense, but, Anyway, but, yeah, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, we can the, get. that's, that's the resiliency you got to – the Hurricanes are really going to need now. But, again, we're we'll, getting ahead of myself here, and I'll let you guys finish up on your Nashville thoughts. Well, I mean, thank God they came back
1: from that 3-1 deficit, right? Because, I mean, Keane's Twitter was in an absolute frenzy when they were down 3-1. I mean, you would have thought their playoff hopes were on the line, right? It was only game six, but, my God, yeah. it was like an apocalypse. It was like the end of the world on there. And um, When is it not? Yeah. Yeah, you know, that that's super fair. But, um, you know, one thing that really impressed me in that second period of Game 6 was, I mean, the Hurricanes were just getting absolutely battered. Uh, they just... Like, Nashville just looked like they were hungrier and they were more desperate, which obviously they were, right? They were fighting for their playoff lives. But the Hurricanes held on. You know, they, they bent, but they didn't necessarily break. Yes, they went in a two-goal hole, but... I mean Nashville controlled the flow of the of the game for almost that entire period and you know the Hurricanes managed to come through on a power play that looked horrible for the most part but they scored right so how can you really fault what that unit did and only came out of the period down one goal which really gave them a chance um, obviously going into the third period to you know still have a chance to come back in that game which they did and Obviously, in overtime, they cashed in with that great play from Ajo, which you know I was hoping he could kind of build on a little more in the Tampa series. Hasn't quite happened like that yet. Um, Obviously, fighting for offense from the entirety of the group, but we can get more into that a little later. But yeah, I was very impressed with how they responded.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know what? The Canes played poorly in that second period, and that's like the nicest way I can put it. Because on Twitter, I said it was the worst period of hockey I had seen since Kirk Muller was the coach of the Canes. And I do mean that. They were bad. Yeah. There was no urgency from this team. It feels like they had had no gas, And then they scored at the end. And finally, you know, in the last couple of minutes, they're starting to put together something. But then they take a penalty. And it erases all the momentum that they had. And I'm like, oh, God, here we go. And Ned was phenomenal. Um in game six. I, I really believe that he was the difference. Because um, he made those timely saves that we've been hoping for. And um, spoiler alert, he's done that in the Tampa series too, other than once, you know? So th- the third period was, I mean, as soon as the Canes actually got the Hamilton's tie and goal, you knew that they were going to win that game. I mean, Eddie Lack even said, there's no way that Carolina loses this game after the way they've been playing. Nashville Nashville was playing to lose, you know? Yeah. At that point, they had barely any shots. The Canes had dominated that entire 20 minutes. And, I mean, as we see, it only took, you know, less than two minutes for the Canes to find the back of the net in overtime. So it was encouraging, and I was hoping it would kind of lead to some momentum. But then again, four overtime games in a row, uh, that can wear on you. And I guess we'll segue now into the Tampa series. We've kind of seen that fatigue a little bit where we've been right with them, but it does seem at times that the Canes are just out of gas because I I really think the first round series against Nashville kind of wore on them a little bit more.
2: I guess. um, Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's part of it. It's just the hurricanes just aren't being opportunistic, and it's like they get a two-on-one and Martin H just goes offside. Or they get a power play and you know nobody gets to the front of the net and Vasilevsky sees everything. Or, you know, there's a rebound and the guy off puck is like coasting, and then he realizes there's a rebound. He's like, oh shit. And then he like takes a bunch of strides to try to get there, but it's too little, too late in the front of the, the front of the net's been cleared. And it's just so many little things are adding up to so many inefficiencies. And you know, it probably is attributable to fatigue you know it's not just physical where you're tired and it's hard to you know do stuff your your brain kind of shuts off and you kind of make some mistakes that maybe you wouldn't otherwise make um they're in a hole obviously i mean that's not really a hot take at this point and it's the way things would be shaken out with the injury situation now not only being down you know need a who's been nothing short of phenomenal this entire year you're now also down vincent Trocek, who had his struggles in the first round, but was really starting to look like Vincent Trocek again and, you know, coming through the middle with speed and making moves on guys and was just dangerous again. And I'm going to keep it. Well, not going to be like too negative or anything, but I'm just going to say it doesn't look very good. <laughs>
1: yeah. I'm trying to be optimistic too, but you know, obviously without, you know, Niederreiter and Vincent Trocheck, like you said, it makes an already tough task seemingly impossible can it be done? Of course. I'm never going to write this team off. We've seen how resilient they can be, but you're a team that's already struggling to generate quality offense. And you're a team that's struggling to score and you lose two key depth scorers like that. Um, you're in a world of trouble. Uh, it moves everybody up the lineup. Jordan Stahl goes from being your three C to your two C and, you know, while he is generating a lot of offense in these playoffs, the matchups are going to be different. Um, and you know you're gonna have to bring in a couple cold bodies in um, from out of the press box. Obviously, Morgan Geeky looks like he could have an impactful role with the way he gets to the front of the net and his vision from below the goal line, which has been seriously lacking, especially on the secondary power play unit. That unit's just been terrible, despite the the bean goal that was deflected off a leg. Um, that that unit can barely even get any zone entries. So, you know, maybe he can contribute a little to that group. Um, beyond him, I mean, Cedric Paquette hasn't really offered anything. I went to bat for him in my article um, in the series preview, and he just he hasn't looked up to it at all. So your, your depth is really going to be tested here, and you're going to need secondary guys like Brock McGinn and Jesper Faust and Warren Fogle, especially. Those three is, are the guys I'm centering on who you're just going to need some kind of offense from them obviously that's not the kind of players they are you can't really expect these guys to really you know impact the game offensively but if you're going to get this done you just need everybody in your lineup to elevate and without Nino Rider and Trocek I mean you need your secondary guys to step up so those guys we're going to see if they can get up to the plate and maybe knock one out of the park if not it, it looks like a very tough task
0: so I actually kind of I mean, I agree. It's going to be tough to knock out the defending champs. I'm not going to sit here saying that it's going to be easy for the Carolina Hurricanes. Nothing has come easy this whole season. You know, I don't think it's necessarily all doom and gloom. uh, Like a lot of the tweets I saw last night after the game, like it's not, we're right with Tampa. And I mean, you know, we're playing against the actual best goalie in the world. Right. I mean I don't think there's any doubts that Vasilevsky is the best, right? At this point.
2: Yeah, I don't really know what you would argue. Yeah, like I would agree.
1: But Yeah, so I the mean the biggest problem is you're not making it tough on him, right?
0: Right. But I mean, we're right there with him. Eventually we're gonna get a bounce, and eventually that's gonna snowball into something. But eventually needs to be tomorrow night in game three. You know? Like yeah. bottom line, it needs to be in game three. But I think, you know, the way the Canes are playing, they've been very solid defensively. And I mean, all of Tampa's goals this series have come off of breakdowns from the Canes. Like, anytime there's been a defensive breakdown, the Canes have given up a goal. And that's, I mean, that's what Tampa does, is they make you pay every time you make a mistake. Yeah. So you can't expect the Canes to be mistake-free. You got to find a way to put the puck in the net. And I think they're able to do that even without Trocek because honestly, Trocek hasn't like, even prior to him getting hurt, I don't think he was very good in the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to be honest. I was disappointed with him in round one and in game one, I, in this series, I thought he did nothing. Like I, I'm, I just wasn't sold.
2: I thought he had some good moments and was actually more noticeable because he was getting, he was gaining the line. He was doing entries, you know? And this is something- also
0: me, like, you know, working probably one of the busiest days yeah. during that game. So, like, you know, he was more, that's also possible. He,
2: he was more noticeable to me than he definitely had been uh, in the Nashville series when he was. But he NFL. struggled
0: like hell against Nashville. Oh, yeah, and so sure. I was hoping that he would rebound. Um, and it sucks that he's gotten hurt. But I mean,. Trocek had been kind of, I don't know. He he hadn't been nearly as good as he was towards the back end of this season. Um, and that's kind of when the Canes started to struggle too. But I think they'll be okay without him. What I really need to see, and I'm hoping that his goal the other night gets him going is fetch.
1: So let's speculate a little here. Um, assuming that Vincent Trocheck is going to be out of the lineup, which does seem very likely based on Rod Brindamore's comments the, the past couple of days. Right. What is the Hurricanes' center depth going to look like? Because obviously Sebastian Ajo is going to be the first-line center. Jordan Stahl is going to move up into the two slot. So you're going to have a vacancy in the three-hole. Um, I mean, Morgan Geeky could step into that role, but he hasn't played in two, three weeks. so Geeky's better suited for that role, for sure. I I agree. You're offensive. not. I don't think you're going to move Lorenz up there because he's done a fine job um, as a fourth line center, providing energy and whatnot. But oh man, if it's Jordan Martinook as the third line center, I uh, you're, you're going to see me losing my mind on Kane's Twitter. I'm going to be like like the rest of the Caniacs who you know disaster sky is falling type thing because if, if that's what happens, man.
0: Bro, you've just seen how valuable Oak has been to this team in the playoffs. Like, I'm I'm so sorry, but if it's gonna be doom and gloom, like I'm gonna roast you for it. <laughs>
1: That's like fair. we're
0: playing up against the best team in the NHL, like unquestionably the best team. Other than yeah, play the Avalanche, Colorado. bro. Until they beat Tampa, Tampa's the best. I'm sorry.
2: I haven't I have uh, having watched a bunch of the Avalanche. I will argue with you on that one, but right. right but we'll but until happen. you beat Indeed. the defending
0: champs, who are just as good, if not better. They've they, they have something to prove to me. Tampa yeah, no, I already fair. know that they're at the top of the mountain. If that makes that's sense. Fair.
1: So so what are you guys doing? Are you putting Morgan Geeky in that three slot and giving him, you know, maybe yeah. Fogel and Foster as, as wingers, or are you moving some of the wing into that spot?
0: I'm keeping the fourth line together and intact. Um but again, I'm not Rod. I would like to see Morgan Geeky as the three c just because I think you know that's a role that he could potentially fill um in the future for the hurricanes, but I mean you saw Geeky and Lorenz had a bit of chemistry too. that's uh, what I was gonna for say a little actually. bit so I mean if you move Martinook up and your fourth line becomes a little more offensive, like cool
2: all right, but this is this is what I was starting to say on Twitter yesterday. Like, the Hurricanes should have gotten another piece of the deadline, if not, if for no other reason than for depth purposes. Because now we're looking at having Martin Nook or McGinn, who has been good, and, you know, you can at least stomach that a little bit more easily. But I see Martin Nook is probably going to end up playing with Ajo a bunch tomorrow night, and that's just not ideal. And, yes, I agree. He's definitely a valuable part of this team. And, hell, he probably spearheaded that comeback against Nashville because of that, you know, I don't know if you guys saw the, pep talk he gave on the bench yeah, or he was getting everybody going. Like he's obviously a huge part of this team just from a chemistry and energy standpoint, and leadership. but like having him, yeah. But having him playing alongside your best player is counterproductive. Like it just, I, I've seen it a couple of times this series. I've, I've seen it when he was playing with Natchez and uh, Trocek. He just doesn't have the, his brain doesn't process the play at a quick enough speed. There's sure. passes that are there for a brief moment there's, you know, cutting lanes to move into for a, you know, to get a pass that he doesn't see It's a little stuff like that, that he's slow to read on. And those opportunities are gone in an instant. So again, like it would have been really nice. And there's really no point in going back to it. I know, but moving forward, I I kind of said something similar to what Matt did about if Sveshnikov, can build off that goal last night. If that gets the monkey off his back and he makes up for lost time in a big way, the Hurricanes are definitely right in this. But the other side of the coin is, and this is something that I had kind of said, and then Sarah Sivian actually said the same thing. You're down two to nothing going to Tampa Bay. You're struggling to create offense. But if you look at the other roster, Kucherov, Point, Stamkos, what have those guys done this series? Well, they're not going to stay down for four, five, six, seven games either. At some point, they're going to make their return as well, and that's 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 probably the part that scares me just as much as anything.
1: Yeah, no, like the the defense, they did an incredible job against Tampa last night. They only allowed 15 shots the entire game, and if you take a look at the box, all of Steven Stamkos, Nikita Kucherov, Braden Point, uh, Victor Hedman. Basically, all of Tampa Bay's top players had one shot or less on goal. Really neutralized those guys and took them out of the game. Didn't really let them generate a whole lot of offense, and you still lost the game. That's just yeah. the, that's the painful part for me. And you know what? You did make a really good point about you know how nice it would have been for the Hurricanes to at least add some kind of a body at the deadline, just in case of this situation. Because now it's at a point where I've got countless people in my mentions today asking me oh do you think the hurricane should bring ryan suzuki or Jamison reese into the lineup and it's just like it that's not a question i should be asked at this point of the uh, at this point of the
2: playoffs the answer right? is no
0: you're not Ex-za- bringing prospects exactly in. Mm. and i'm this is coming Trying from the prospect guy, light lightning. <laughs> like this is coming from the prospect guy and i'm just like hell no that's
1: literally potentially development suicide
2: yeah, yeah. And, and, and it's to be fair it, it's not that crazy of a question because I, I do think there is a slim potential that those guys could step in and maybe they do give your team a spark and start creating stuff but the odds of it happening are substantially lower than them coming in and struggling mightily and like you very, said very very stunting low. Yeah. yeah and stunting their development and you know developing bad habits like there's just a lot of stuff that could go very very wrong in that scenario Yeah,
0: I just, like, the only reason why I would even consider bringing Morgan Geeky in is because he at least has NHL experience.
1: Yeah, and he played in the playoffs last year, so he knows what to expect as far as the pace and physicality of this kind of series would go.
0: When the Canes made the playoffs in 2019, we didn't bring Martin Natchez up when somebody got hurt. We brought up Greg McKeague.
1: Yeah. And and Alexei Sarla. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, we, Remember that. Oh, we did bring up him. Did, He
1: did. He played his one and only Hurricanes yeah. game against That's Washington. Right. And right. I don't know. I don't think I've seen him once on the ice. Yeah, no. it was
0: bad. But yeah, like you're, you're bringing in guys who they might not be the best players, but they have NHL experience and that sometimes matters more, you know?
2: Yeah.
0: But I mean, I'm optimistic still. I think that getting Tampa in round two was a tough draw. And I mean – the one thing I can I can say for the Canes not acquiring somebody at the deadline is if you knew you're getting Tampa second round and you spend a first-round pick plus some to get, like, say, Kyle Palmieri or even Taylor Hall because it didn't even take a first. But, you know, say it's a first for Taylor Hall. You're out of first after getting bounced in the second round if that does happen to the Canes, you know? Yeah. And I mean, if you lose your first round pick, which could be in the top twenty five, just because you got you lost in the second round after making these moves, like ugh, it, it just it looks worse, you know? Yeah. So I don't hate it. I still think the canes window either hasn't quite opened yet or is just starting to. And the more I the more I think about it, the more I think the window opens next year. Oh yeah, that's um, fair because you, you still have a lot of youth and inexperienced players on your roster, and you're trying to get them playoff experience. Um, and I think this series is going to be a really big deal. Um, either they come back and win it in six or seven games, or they lose and now know what it takes to beat the defending champs.
1: Yeah, yeah that would be another learning experience, kind of similar to Boston the last couple years. Um, You know, transitioning a little how, uh, into how how they can get back into this series I mean obviously we mentioned without Trocek and Nino you know, it's not going to be an easy task but as far as changing up you know a little bit of I guess the overall chemistry and you know just trying to get maybe some fresh faces into the group I'm definitely not on board with the whole star Peter Morozik movement I think that's just mm-hmm. a, a, a big overreaction and it, it might send the wrong message to the group when you're benching probably your most consistent performer throughout the playoffs just to give Games your team a spark. I, I don't love bullies? that. What? Yeah, I, I, I just I don't love that that thought process. But beyond that, obviously, you expect Morgan Geeky comes into the lineup. I think it's pretty safe to assume that happens. Beyond just him, two two changes I personally think could make sense is you bring in Jake Gardner probably for Jake Bean, give you a little more experience on the back end. The power play, too, has really struggled as far as puck movement. So, you know, you know Gardner can definitely impact the game in that regard. And beyond just him, maybe you consider swapping out Pocket for Max McCormick. Kind of a lateral move, but, you know, Potket is just he's not been up to it at all. And maybe maybe Max gives you a little bit of an element of, you know, getting to the paint and maybe throwing some bodies around. Maybe Maybe even finishes off a greasy one, one of those rebounds that's sitting there. What do you guys think I, of that?
0: I, I still don't think that'll make any difference. I know yeah. you said it'll make a lateral move, but I mean I think They both kind of are. <laughs> if you're if you're switching out fourth line uh players at this point, like, you know, it's just not going to do anything. That's just my opinion. That's just
2: making changes for the sake of making changes. It's
0: shifting deck chairs yeah. on, you know, possibly the Titanic, but, you know.
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah, but it's you have limited options
1: already, right?
0: Sure. But again, like I'm saying, like Puckett, you know, what I mean He's laid out a couple big hits. He's, I mean, that's all he's really going to do for your team. That's all he did for Tampa. So, I mean, it's not great. I'm not going to sit here and say it's good because I, I would definitely like to have seen more from the guy that they got for Ryan Dezingle. but alas,
2: <laughs> um, yeah, um, I. I... <sighs> I just don't know what the answer is. Like, and one other thing, we were kind of talking about the matchup and being unlucky this was the second-round deal. I, I did see a tweet that I found kind of funny. It's, like, kind of weird that we're getting the uh, conference finals in the second round. <laughs> I mean, right. there's a pretty high chance that between the Vegas-Colorado series and Hurricanes and Tampa Bay series, one of those teams, I, you know, if, you, if you're if you taking them or the field – which I mean, I guess that is half the field at this point. Now that I think about it. Definitely. Um, I, I'm definitely taking those four. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, it's a pretty damn good chance that the winning team is going to emerge from these two groups. Boston's um, been red hot too. Yeah,
0: sure, but they're not Tampa.
2: Uh, yeah, like. or or Colorado, and I even think the Hurricanes would beat them. I really do. But anyway, um, I, I just. <sighs> I think the Hurricanes need two more pieces. I said this last night, and I also – you know, I said the same thing Matt did. This is early in the Hurricanes' window. Um, I think they need another defenseman, and maybe that's just – maybe Jake Bean takes a big step next forward, and maybe he's it. Uh, Or, you know, they need one more good, solid, trustable defenseman back there so that the third pairing isn't like a giant black hole that you're terrified of every time you send out there. And then they need – again – Another score just because, and and, and you know what? And that's another thing that could possibly be filled in house because if next year Sveshnikov turns into the player we expect him to be, you really aren't that worried about it. But Sveshnikov has just had his one year delayed sophomore slump. Yeah, just just hasn't been good for him. This
0: season has been, I mean, really up and down for Svech. And I I feel like a lot of times he's trying to do way too much. And I've also felt that way about Nature's lately, but. I am going to kind of segue this into actually a fan question that we got for tonight, um, because it kind of does talk about who we. So it's, uh, I think. Please tell me if I'm pronouncing this right. Zerjian on Twitter says, "Any UFA players you'd like the Canes to target?" And so we're talking about, you know, the Canes need a scorer. The Canes need a defenseman. Who do you guys think the Canes could target? I can give you a second to pull up Cap Friendly.
2: Uh, I, was gonna say, I don't even know who the hell the free agents this summer are, so let me hear well, it. Mike Hoffman, off the
1: top of my head, I think he'd be a great fit, but you're kind of bordering on the territory of, is he a guy that can end up in Rod Brindamore's doghouse, similar to a Ryan Dezingle type, where obviously the player is more dynamic offensively. He's got he's got the top-end speed and a great release to fit in with your group and could definitely have a positive impact, probably scored 30 goals uh over a full season and definitely help out your power play as well as you know a guy as your target probably is your target man on the power play. But like I said, it's another guy of, you know, he's not a very physical player. Um he doesn't give you a whole lot defensively. So is he a guy that would be a good fit in the system? I'm not sure. It's also a guy who's into his 30s now. What kind of deal is he gonna want? Didn't have a like a didn't really have a great year in St. Louis. They tried to move him at the deadline. Didn't happen. Stuck around there, you know. Played pretty well for them in the playoffs, actually. But it's just—it's a matter of finding the fit. I personally love the fit, love the player, but it's about finding the right fit for this system. And I'm not quite sure he fits that mold.
2: Yeah. So here's here's There's the... one guy. Um, his name is—I uh, think you pronounce it uh, Ovichkin. Um,
0: <laughs> can yeah, you imagine some guy up
2: in Washington that is a UFA this summer?
0: Can you imagine <laughs> Kane's fans would find a way to hate that?
2: <laughs> are you kidding me? I would hope not. I mean, oh
0: they would they've they've spent you know
2: your probably almost right. the better part is. of a
0: decade and a half hating the guy
2: if he was on our team, they would warm up to him pretty quickly,
0: just saying, uh, yeah, I know, but yeah. this is Kane's Twitter we're talking about guys, <laughs> true. They get mad at the first, like, legitimately great goaltender we've had in God knows how long just because he let in one bad goal.
1: Yeah. I'm looking Um, at a list. If we're talking um, about
0: somebody that's actually, like, maybe a – I don't know. How would you guys feel about Brandon Saad?
1: I
2: was actually just looking at him as well. I I I think so too because I think the way he he plays with a little bit of a power forward game, um, I, I, I would be down for that for sure. You He's think?
0: 28 too. I mean, that's not bad. His cap hit might be expensive, so you're probably going to have to dump salary somewhere, but you can do that. Yeah. Another guy that you might want to look at maybe in a trade where you send a contract elsewhere, Sam Reinhardt.
2: I was yep, <laughs> exactly. another guy I wanted to look at. Um, cuz he is an but RFA, right?
0: The, yes, but you also do have to worry that he I, I'm the, I'm wary about Anybody that comes from the Sabres, Oilers, or Maple Leafs at this point.
1: That's because justified. these are teams
0: that know how to lose.
1: Yeah. Well, there is three big names on the UFA market that instantly jump out at you. Um how Gabriel Landiscon. Any any of um Marion Hosa, Marion or Henrik Zetterberg,
2: Why all expiring contracts. This? I was looking at that too. Why are they even on this list? <laughs> I have no idea. Because um, well, their
1: contracts
0: technically right. expired and they Alex haven't, like, Simmons got to be on
2: that list too. Yeah, he's I was gonna say probably table, is. Right?
1: Ooh, Brandon Sutter, need
0: very cheap goal scoring. Simmons is available.
1: <laughs> Taylor Hall obviously makes a ton of sense too. It's just gonna be about the price tag. Can you fit him in? I mean, probably not. But I think also that depend-
0: he's cursed. The cane I mean, hey, so if you Hamilton. want to draft uh, Shane Wright next year. Sign Taylor Hall. <laughs> you will win the lottery.
2: I think Hall is probably going to end up back in Boston. I don't That's know. I don't what I was going to say. He probably stays in like, Boston. But, you know, Congrats
0: David, to future Boston Brew and Shane Wright.
2: David Krejci is, I mean, he's 35 years old at this point, but he's still obviously just a great, great hockey player. Sure, um, but again, you're adding a, a table
0: terra when you need more of a sniper.
2: Sure. Yeah. Kyle true. Palmieri.
1: He makes some sense. Like I said, Paul Mary, um, Hoffman, as I mentioned, I think Hoffman is just a great fit. Um, I think you aim
2: higher than Paul Mary. I think you aim higher. If it doesn't work out, he's a fallback option. Gabriel Landeskog, dude, like, I don't know exactly what Colorado's cap situation is like, and I feel like there's a very, very slim chance of them letting their captain walk. But, dude, I mean, you want to talk about a good fit, I I think Gabriel Landeskog would be a heck of a pickup.
0: I mean, Colorado – does have to worry because Kale McCarr, right, is going to get paid.
2: <laughs> yeah,
0: this summer. I mean, he, he is going. The Samuel Gerard took a very team friendly deal to stay on that team, which is awesome, and that'll help. But my God, yeah. Kale McCarr is going to make bank. What um, you guys
1: feel about uh, Thomas Tatar? Eh, the
2: sure. six option? <laughs> he's t- that's hard I think is actually kind of underrated um
0: but then again he's gotten scratched from Montreal and they're still finding ways to produce without him so
2: yeah like he's a secondary yeah. piece but
1: I think he's a good secondary piece if you're gonna play him with you know skill guys like obviously maybe Aho or Trocheck. I, I think he's a guy that can he, he's, he's shown good finishing ability in the past he's got a good release I think you know as more of a Maybe a middle six option if you get him for a reasonable price. I think he's a guy that can probably help you along a little bit.
2: Yeah, isn't Trocheck or is it next year that he? Yeah, next, next year.
1: year you're gonna All have right. both Trocheck and Niederreiter up for new contracts. So, All right. And I
0: think Nino takes a pretty sizable pay cut.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I'd assume.
0: Or at least like, and by pretty sizable I mean like a million. Yeah. If he wants any more than he's making right now, by like by, you
2: yeah. know, next year, right? and by then you'll have guys like Jarvis and Suzuki and Jameis and Reese kind of pushing anyway. So it's not like you won't have cheap options if you need them.
0: And that's also what I am mentioning, or what I was going to think about, um, is you guys also have to keep in mind the cap isn't moving for the foreseeable future, right? So. Any changes that the Canes make, the more that I think about it, the more I think it's going to be adding another Jesper Faust-type contract.
1: I've got maybe... two more options for you. <laughs> Can I interest either of you in an Alex Galchenyuk or an Eric
2: Holla? No. No, you, no, you cannot. don't need to be asked for any reason... <laughs>
0: The Canes traded <laughs> Galchenyuk because they didn't want him. Like, they just straight up were like, nah, he's not yes. going to play on our team.
2: Stay in Canada. And
0: Eric Halla, need I remind you, was invisible the second half of last season. I I just don't see the fit. He's not gonna no, I'm
1: totally joking. You can even throw Eric Stahl into that mix. He's he's going to be on the open market again this summer. Could there be a reunion? I upset some
2: people. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, what I'm sorry. wondering, is Katie, I didn't mean to upset you the other day when I was talking trash about him again. No, no, I'm in, wondering in if Stall does
0: call it quits after this year and he signs like a one day contract to retire again.
1: Yeah, he could. He could. He, he scored tonight though. I think Montreal's leading. He scored a goal. So yeah, who
2: knows. assisted Maybe by Corey Perry, Perry and Joel, Joel Edmondson. Edmondson has two assists. Oh hell yeah, two point nine for Eddie. You know, As I think the, I. I think Only it's a good time to do.
1: just touch on this very briefly. The, the Hurricanes are going to have a couple unrestricted free agent forwards uh, this summer coming up. Brock McGinn, Jordan Martinook, and Seth, I'm pretty sure, all unrestricted. Warren Fogle is going to be restricted. As far as the unrestricted guys go, I think Brock McGinn, we would probably all agree, needs to be brought back. Um, Jordan Martinook, I, I, I was kind of on. All- The he can go train, but you know he is very valuable. He's proved that in this playoff run. Um, obviously would be a huge hit to the locker room if you didn't have him there. But can you realistically, like, is that enough to warrant not upgrading that spot? I'm not totally sure. It's gonna be one that I I think it could really go either way for me. Brock McGinn, I'm sold on, but Martinuk. I'm kind of undecided about pocket, obviously, you know, pack your bags. Thank you. See you later. But <laughs> yeah. um, where do you guys stand on that? Martin
0: Martinook on the fourth line. And if he's willing to take cut, you absolutely keep him on this team.
2: Yeah. Like say. as you're 13th forward. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I what think you're I hoping from back. the Canes is you're hoping that some of those guys that you listed are willing to take a pay cut to stay here. Yeah. Let's
2: not forget, Sveshnikov is going to get some level of a raise. Even you know, it's definitely going to be a bridge deal at this point. He's lost himself quite a bit of money, unfortunately for him. But maybe it's not the worst thing in the world for the Canes. But
0: yeah, I mean, I think you're looking at if you can get maybe a couple of those guys to stay under two. All three of these guys are making just above two million right now, or right at it. If you can get under two. That's awesome. Warren Fogle. Um, he's an underrated um, acquisition target for Seattle at the expansion draft. I think.
1: I've been thinking that too.
0: Um, a guy that Francis obviously knows well. And if you can force the Canes to instead have to give up assets to get rid of Jake Gardner, I think you do it
2: yeah
0: because at this point jake gardner's gone right
1: yeah seems that way yeah
0: like i i don't love to to speculate on a player's future here too much it just really seems like the writing's on the wall at this point i mean the guy hasn't played in the playoffs even with being you know struggling a little bit um
2: yeah one game
0: and to be honest with you like he was he wasn't even playing at the end of the regular season when the game still mattered. So it's just like uh,
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's an unfortunate I think situation. Francis
0: could could put the canes in a tight spot if he picks Vogel instead of Gardner.
1: But you're going <laughs> to have Jake Bean who's probably exposed as well, right?
0: Uh, unless you save the Hamilton. A lot of teams are going to save their extensions until after the draft.
1: Yeah, but even with that, unless you're only protecting four forwards, um, you're going to have Slavin Pesci and Brady Shea who are probably protected ahead of Bean. Well, yeah.
0: Sure. I think you'll still be fine with leaving maybe a big contract up on the uh, table for Seattle. It's like, sure, you can take this guy. We'll take the $5 million and upgrade it somewhere. Right. You know? Because like if they take a Nino Niederreiter, and we replace it with say Sam Reinhart. okay. You so know. you're
1: so so wait are you are you suggesting that you think they could protect eight skaters and a goalie with you know the four forwards obviously being Jordan Stahl, who has a no move clause if you could get him to waive that that could be a route to explore but do you want to risk losing no. Jordan Stahl? like no. I, I don't think I do I don't even no ask I'm him. saying
0: I'm saying you protect uh you could protect stall Terravine and ajo fetch right yep. there and then
1: so you would be exposing to protect Trocek Trocek definitely as well. Slavin,
0: shea and peshi and if you choose to do the eight route you've got one more forward or defenseman
2: well Trocek. well I, if i'm if, saying if you like do you the,
0: could pick you Trocek, do eight
1: route it's gonna be to protect um another defenseman right four and four otherwise you might as well just protect protect your 3d and keep seven forwards
0: right i mean and what i could do is i mean it's probably going to cost you less to protect um trochek than it would bean judging by his play so far you know bean's younger and sure he might have the upside but there's still a lot of risks associated with his game and so if you pick trochek and you're only giving up a third, to say hey, not, let don't pick Jake Bean, pick somebody else. I think the Canes explore that option.
1: Yeah, I think they would be foolish. and leave up,
0: too. and you know, and kind of dangle you know Niederreiter, saying you know, hey, like this is a twenty goal scorer. His cap hits a little high though. I'm but not if you sure take...
1: a rebuilding team like Seattle. Well, not rebuilding, but building from the ground up. You know, who knows what their internal expectations are. It took James Neal, man. Year.
0: James Neal didn't work out for them at all, but they yeah. took him. Yeah, like it's possible. I'm I'm we're getting off topic here but, but this, I'm saying like This anything, is a
1: Ron Francis build they are talking about here, anything right? We know is it's going to be slow and painful. If Trocek's and, available,
2: they're going to take him, guys. Yeah. <laughs> right. Oh, for sure. And
0: speaking speaking of Ron Francis, shout outs to him for signing former Canes prospect Luke Henman. Um I'm really happy that he uh found an NHL home. Yeah, same. After the Canes uh, didn't sign him, I always thought he kind of had potential. If you know, if the Canes weren't as deep of a team um, in terms of pipeline and stuff, he definitely would have found his way into an NHL contract.
1: Well, like, you
2: know what? That he's kind of that... like, like T. lot except for not as dynamic because he is tiny, and he's a good playmaker. But like,
0: well, he's like six two, but like a hundred forty pounds. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he might, he might be like do. a nice 170 right now which i think txl is ho- hovering around like a 160 ish so like not too far off but you yeah.
1: know yeah and that that signing opened my eyes a little bit to the fact that even though it was don waddell um officially gm for that draft now I, it kind of got me thinking that a lot of the picks were you know scouted by francis because if they well the hurricanes did draft henman with their fourth round pick but if if Ron Francis felt highly enough and knew about knew enough about the player to sign him as Seattle's first official signing, I think Ron Francis probably had quite an impact on the Hurricanes, 2018 draft class with the guys like Kielinen and Jesper Selgren and a couple other guys who, you know, maybe we don't give any credit at all or put any thought into how much Francis may have impacted that class, but you know, his scouting department and him as in, in general was in charge of that group for a majority of the season until White Bell came in, I think in March or April or whenever it was. So.
0: Oh yeah, I mean they had already had their mid-season scouting meetings. They had already, you know, had their reports from that whole season lined up. And I mean, you can kind of see like with with guys like, um, for instance, just, Jack yeah, Drury,
1: Francis Francis picks.
0: Drury was a Francis. Would have been a Francis pick. Yeah. Um, Henman might not have been. Uh, because he wasn't nearly as safe um as the other guys were. But yes, for Selgren, absolutely. Um so I mean I'm again I'm happy for Henman. We have one last fan question here, and then I think that's all I have for you guys. And I don't want to spend too much time um on it because I, I think we're gonna spend more time on the draft as we uh whenever the season ends, I guess, because, you know, then we'll know where we're picking and roughly where our other picks will line up, too. But he's kind of asking, you know, who should the Canes target in the draft and, like, what positions? And should they go after goalie Sebastian Casa? And I'm saying not in the first round right off the bat.
1: Yeah, I I agree. Man, you got to be intrigued by that size, though.
0: I mean, yeah, but... (laughs) I don't know because we've seen with Jake Ottinger, he he he's looking like a really good goalie for the Stars. You know, I mean six six, my God! Like, I mean this guy's was lights out in the WHL this year seventeen one and one record
1: yeah and even last year uh, as a sixteen seventeen year old he had a nine twenty one save percentage and a twenty one and six record like he's just he been is an over
0: um, he is an older birthday um yeah. so that is something to to consider a little bit is that he is um at least a little older um than some of the other guys in this draft year i i don't i think he'll be available in the early second round, and I don't believe the, can- the Canes don't have a pick in the early second round. Um, but I mean, it, it's definitely something to consider. For me, the guy I'm picking is Xavier Borgo. Um, I watched this kid a few times um, this year with Shawinigan um, when Panomariov was playing. And this guy, I mean, he can create offense. He's so smart, he's quick, and I mean, whether it's goal scoring or playmaking, I think he can do it all. I, I don't think he's going to be a top-end forward, but I definitely think he's you know solid for maybe about 50 points at the NHL level.
1: Yeah, I will add one more thing on Casa uh, Interestingly enough, last year in the 2019-2020 uh, season with the Edmonton Oil Kings, as a 17-year-old, um, he was actually part of a tandem with Hurricanes prospect Beck Warm. Who was an overage goalie at the time. And Casa actually had very marginally, but did have better numbers than Beckworm, um, as a much younger player in that league. So that's pretty impressive. Um, as far as his production goes, obviously has very good uh, measurables at six foot six, two hundred pounds. Um, you know, I haven't really seen a whole lot of the player, but obviously with those with that size, you'd like to assume that if he's got the quickness he could be a player at the NHL level, mind you. Size isn't the be-all end-all. We saw how things went for Scott Darling in Carolina, so you got you got to be careful about just judging a goalie based on his measurables. But yeah, uh, moving on a little bit. For me, my target in the first round is still Zach Dean. It's been Zach Dean for you know the last few months, uh, dating back to even last year when I saw him live. I was just blown away. Not really sure where he ends up going. He could be gone by the time the Canes pick. But if he's on the clock when they go to the po like when, if he's on the board when they go to the podium, and they don't pick him, I'll be upset. It's just you
0: know, if I'm the Canes at this point with how the the pipeline's looking, I'm picking upside, regardless of who's available. I'm picking the best player that's still on the board, and if it's between Dean and Borgo, I'm picking Borgo nine times out of ten for me because I think his upside's higher. I think Dean's a little bit more of a safe pick because he does a lot of things well, you know. But that's just me.
1: Just be just Zach Dean's uh, offensive upside. I mean, this guy. Watching him live won't get too much into it because we're going to have obviously a draft centric episode where we're going to talk about a lot of our favorite targets, but as a player, he reminds me a lot of Elias Lindholm, especially his offensive game where he just, his agility is, it's a real treat to watch. How fast he changes directions and can cut from full speed going one way to the other is just, it's really, it's mesmerizing to watch. And, you know, sometimes you just fall in love with the way a player plays. And that kind of sways your judgment a little. I'm not sure where this guy is going to go because I've seen him mocked as high as like 15. And, you know, some people don't have him as a first-round talent. So the the jury's out on him. I love the player. And, um, you know, we'll get into that more in the, in the next couple of weeks. But uh, I, I definitely have him as a guy I would target.
0: What's nice about it, and this is the last thing I'll say on the draft, is that what's nice about both... This year and next year's drafts is that the Canes are a contender, and still have their first four picks in both drafts. You know, and they even have an extra couple seventh round picks to throw at the board, and you know, hopefully land another Billy Rassman and God rest his Rassinans. soul. He's not dead, but you know, he's dead to <laughs> us.
1: Might might as well be.
0: He's dead to us. Uh,
1: but he'll never be dead to us. Come on, man. The legacy will never end.
0: What legacy? The fact uh, that I noticed him uh, in training camp, and the first thing I said in Prospects Camp was, man, this guy skates weird.
2: <laughs> I saw him, um, my big Billy Rossinen moment. I saw him at Prospects Camp. And, and it was kind of cool. But he just stood at the blue line and had like a bunch of pucks and he just shot him one after the other, and he barred down every single one. like swear, Well, swear that's great,
0: but he never did yeah, that right, right, against right, right. competition.
2: <laughs> but when he, did that, when he did that, I was like, what the hell, man? That was kind of impressive. I was and like, then, man, when you're 19 going on
0: 20 and can't even be more than a seventh defenseman in the USHL.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's not good.
0: I, I, that was it for me, man. Um, yeah. Like, the USHL. That's so bad. It's not a very good league. Um, drafting players from the USHL is always a risk because more often than not, they're just not going to turn into great NHLers.
2: Yeah.
0: Well, folks, I think that's about it We uh, for this week. We've Covered a lot, a uh, wide range of topics from, you know, the Canes pipeline to the draft lottery to the upcoming draft from a Canes standpoint.
2: How little time we spent on the playoffs tells you everything you need to know about how that's going.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know what? I'm still optimistic. Nothing's going to bring me down about this. I still think that the Canes are in a good place. And even though, you know, it might look like their window isn't open yet, it's definitely coming soon with how good this team is. And still regardless, young, regardless... Of what some people, some negative folks might want to say. Folks, as always, it's a great time to be a Carolina Hurricanes fan.